0: Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co hosts First up, when he heard that there was going to be a magic crossover with Lord of the Rings, he said, this shall not pass. It's Matt Morgan.
1: Joey, I want to tell you a chemistry joke, but I'm afraid there's going to be no reaction. So
0: Ah. I might hold off on it. (laughs) I got that one and I'm proud of myself. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm glad you're proud of yourself. Next, when he heard that there was going to be a magic crossover with Warhammer, he was like, I mean, jokes on you, the reserve list cards already cost 40K. It's Dana Roach. <laughs> um, tomorrow is the vernal equinox when
2: night is exactly as long as day. So that means it's the one time of year when EDH players will spend exactly as much time complaining about hybrid mana as they do off colored fetches. So prepare yourselves for that. Perfect balance, just like Thanos
0: would like. Wow. I have questions, Dana, but I'm not going to ask any of them. Anyway, this is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we'd like to do is give all that data a little
1: more context. Hey, Matt, what is it that we're talking about in this episode? This week, we're going to talk about commanders that somehow end up being tribal decks that you may not always expect.
0: Exactly. This is one that I'm kind of eager to get to, to be honest, because there are sometimes things that we'll see tribal decks that kind of appear for commanders that don't actually state any specific synergy for that tribe. So we want to kind of uncover what are those different commanders and especially what tribes are they and why do they show up that way? So it should be a whole lot of fun. Of course, before we get to our main topic, we're going to pause real quick to give a huge thank you to the folks at the Command Zone podcast. They handle all of the post-production work for our podcast here, making it look as spiffy as it does. So thank you all so much. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the show too.
2: Yeah. The EDH cast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Card Kingdom has the deepest buy list online and a stacked inventory to match and you can do what I do and send them jank so you can get store credit to buy more jank. Um, TCG Player has literally the largest card selection online and you can set up your own storefront there as well if you want to sell your cards. Just go to EDH Rec and click on the card in question. Uh, choose the vendor link down below and go to the uh, appropriate site. Doing so supports both EDH Rec and the show.
1: And if you'd prefer to support the show directly, you can do that as well over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. We have all sorts of patron tiers available, whether you want to join our Discord community, whether you want to check out the episodes a day early, or even look at our historical challenge of stats picks. It's all there over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. And we even have a very special tier available for everyone that wants to just get a special shout out. We pick one random patron follower every single week. And this week, we're going to give a big shout out to Adrian George. So Adrian, thank you so much for your patronage. You partnered with us over at patreon.com/edhrecast and I can't think of any more alliteration here, so I am sorry, <laughs> but thank you anyways, Adrian.
0: Thank you, Adrian, on Patreon. Does, does that work? Adrian nice. on pa- there we go. Wow. Nice. There we go. Thank well, good, you so much, good Adrian. Catch. Good
1: catch.
0: All right, fellas, let's get to our main topic. We're talking about those commanders that are kind of unexpectedly tribal. The way that we've kind of measured this is to Really take a look at the commanders that don't actually say a specific tribe in their rules text. That is the, the sort of metric that we've gone for. They don't actually mention creating a token of a certain type or giving a certain creature type plus one plus one or looking for certain types of creatures, nothing like that. And they also don't ask you to choose any specific creature type as they enter, such as Morophon, for example, which can be built around any tribe, but you would have a lot of flexibility there. Uh, so those are the commanders that we're kind of steering away from. What we're interested in instead is any tribal synergies that appear on commander pages in some degree or another for commanders that don't have that tribe listed in their rules text and also like why that might be the case. What are the reasons for that? And I think that before we get into some of the numbers that could be a really fun discussion for us to have. Dana, what are some ideas that maybe come to your mind about why someone might choose to make a tribal deck around a creature, a commander, that doesn't actually list any specific synergy with that tribe explicitly as you know, mentioning rogues or mentioning cats or anything like that?
2: So the the easiest answer I will use here is one that I chose myself. Um, when I went to build a Sphinx tribal deck, there were no Sphinxes that cared about other Sphinxes. Um, mm. So I, I didn't have a choice but to choose one of the only couple legendary Sphinxes, and I, I picked Asperia. Um, since then, we've actually gotten a Sphinx that does care about Sphinxes, but it's mono-blue. Um, and I like playing an Azorius. I like playing two-color decks, so I didn't want to switch. Um, so I think that's probably a reason, particularly if you're looking at... The the tribes that aren't nearly as popular, I think at some point you don't have a choice but to choose a commander that doesn't care about your particular tribe.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think you kind of tiptoed around that, but yeah, just sometimes there isn't a good one for that tribe and and – you know, hopefully Watsi listens to us, they get some ideas. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you just, you need the color access as well. Um, yeah. Sometimes the creatures just tend to be in a certain color, like you said, you know, Sphinxes usually are blue-white, so you need that color access, so you just pick a random commander. Um, I think Mary kind of happens to fall into that that category of, well, there's a lot of cats that are green and white, so why don't we pick Miri Weatherlight Duelist? And it, that kind of doubles over into, sometimes it's for flavor reasons too. Mary is a yeah. cat and came in the cat tribal deck, um, the, the pre- from a few years ago and i think that will often you know happen to some commanders as well
0: Oh, yeah, that's got to be a really huge one. There's definitely a lot of those different reasons that you might like. This might be just, you know, I don't have a dedicated angel tribal commander yet, but this one is an angel in the colors that I like. So I'm going to go with that. But also the flavor thing, too, like you might be building a deck around a certain different IP out there. You like this particular show and there's a lot of dragons in that show. So you decide to put a bunch of dragons into that deck to kind of effectualize that within the gameplay or you're making a zombie deck for exactly the same reasons, but you're not using any of those zombie tribal commanders per se you want to express it in a completely completely different way for the flavor reasons of echoing that show or some other thing that you're trying to create so there are definitely a lot of interesting reasons for it but it is i will say not the kind of thing that i'm usually drawn to like dana i don't know if i ever would have gone down the asperia route that you did travel decks are really cool but for me i feel like i've really got to be forced to build something like it's got to say i like sphinxes on it for me to like make the connection to put sphinxes in that deck
2: honestly the reason was um, I, I didn't have a tribal deck, so I was kind of wanting to build one anyway. And I wanted an excuse to play Consecrated Sphinx that wasn't <laughs> just I'm just playing Consecrated Sphinx because it's good. Like I wanted to be able to rationalize it other than it's a good card. So
0: that was my that was the impetus to doing that. All right, you know what? That resonates with me. I, I totally get that. Actually, um, real quick before we get into the uh, the actual data, the meat of the episode, I also want to uh, put out another thing here. Um, before we get to those numbers, is to kind of contextualize those numbers a bit because people might have questions about how the numbers were drawn, or if they are low, or if they seem high, or anything like that. And so I should just sort of mention that the numbers um, on the site in the tribal sections might not actually be one hundred percent representative of these things that we're seeing here for these different. Types types of tribes. Um, You know, even very popular elf tribal commanders, for example, may only register about three quarters of their total decks as dedicated elf decks on the website, for instance, because there are just a lot of different formulas and algorithms going into how a deck is specifically counted as a tribal deck. You have to factor it based on how many creatures there are in the tribe total and different things like changelings and ratios within a deck. So there isn't a hard and fast rule for any single tribe, which makes this all a little bit complicated. So the numbers that we'll get into might sound smaller than the typical thing that we're seeing on EDH. Trek, but what they do represent is an undercurrent of deck building habits and that's really what we want to hone in on here and focus on because these are a small representation of something that is a little bit larger when we actually get to it so how about we just actually get to it matt start us off what tribe are we talking about and what are some other commanders that don't explicitly mention that tribe but still have a lot of that tribe contained within their deck let's get going
1: well, we'll start off then. We'll get going, as as you so eloquently put it. Um, Goblin tribal is going to be the first tribe that we talk about, and there's a few commanders you don't think about. Well, yeah, goblins totally make sense with these guys, but um, when you get into the nitty gritty, there's actually you're not really surprised to see them anymore. Um, the big one for me, Corvold, the the big jund dragon. Um, Yeah, you're sacrificing so many things. Goblin decks—they make a lot of things for you to sacrifice. Uh, There's 152 Corvold decks out there that are indeed Goblin tribal. At least they qualify for being a Goblin tribal. I think that might just be because he's so popular. So you know, kind of why not just make a bunch of Goblin decks? You know, accuracy by volume at that point. Um, right, right. But yeah, the other big one that stands out to me, Perforos God of the Forge. That's the uh, Theros mono red god that, whenever a creature enters battlefield under your control, deals two damage to each opponent. Then you can have a, a fire breathing type of effect as well. Um, 197 Goblin Tribal decks for Perforos God of the Forge, and that. I think that number should be higher because every time you make a goblin, which you make lots of goblins in a goblin deck, um, you're dealing two damage to everybody. Seems like it could get out of hand pretty quick. I think some of these
2: goblin ones too are a good example of a deck that maybe accidentally becomes a tribal deck. Uh-huh. Like you're, you're playing Perforos and you want to go wide, so you want to make a bunch of tokens and in mono red, the vast majority of the time those are just goblins. The same is kind of true of Zada. Zada, you want to go wide to have as many things get hit with those spells that you're copying as possible, and you just accidentally wind up picking a bunch of goblins. And then once you realize, well, I've got a certain density of goblins already, then a card like, say, Brightstone Ritual, where you add red to your mana pool for each goblin in play, suddenly becomes a really good card. So you found yourself kind of playing a
0: goblin deck despite
2: that not being your intention
0: originally. Yeah, absolutely a factor that is actually tough for us to judge on any given deck list, whether the person who created it intended for it to be a tribal deck or it did exactly as you mentioned. It kind of tripped and fell into being goblin tribal. Yeah. And, and you
2: know, maybe even Corval, we talked about, it, you know, again, you're, you're in colors where having access to tokens to sacrifice is useful. So there's maybe an, at least an element of that in those. 152
0: decks as well. Moving on from goblins, the next one that comes up and registers for us is the Wizards Tribe. And two commanders that stand out as having a pretty decent number of wizards in them are, surprisingly, Thassa Deep Dwelling and niv Mizzet, Perun. niv Mizzet, Perun has about 100 decks that register as wizard tribal on the site is it Wizards? Niv-Mizzet is also a Wizard. I feel like there's a pretty good connection to make there, even though it does want to be much more of an instant and sorcery-based deck for Niv-Mizzet in particular, but the one I really can't help but look at is that Thassa deep Dwelling. She has about 107 decks that register specifically as Wizard Tribal, even despite the fact that there are a bunch of other Wizard Tribal commanders out there, but Thassa allows you to blink your stuff on the end of your turn, and Wizards like Archeomancer, for example, I mean, they've got some really good ETB effects, so I can totally see why you would want to make that god be a master of a whole bunch of wizards on the battlefield too
1: yeah that that one is not surprising to me at all i'm um, thinking about yeah like you mentioned joey all the wizards that have some sort of end of the battlefield effect whether it's getting spells out of your graveyard whether it's copying spells whether it's countering spells there's a lot that you can be doing so just having thasa to just get even more copies of that effect that's that makes sense um not surprised nice job folks for uh, going outside the box there
2: well, and sometimes in these colors, too, you have situations where the kind of obvious, quote unquote, tribal commander um, is forcing a play style that maybe isn't what you want to do. Mm. Looking at mono blue, for example, you know, a, a zombie would be kind of be the natural wizard commander you would think because, hey, I can tap all my wizards to draw a card. But a zombie oftentimes winds up being just a kind of a combo deck that you're using wizards to draw down to find your combo piece. Um, you know, I talked about Sphinxes earlier, Unesh being the mono blue Sphinx, but that kind of winds up being the same thing where you're just using Sphinxes as a way to draw down to a combo as well. So just because there is a commander that does say that particular tribe on it doesn't mean the play style with that commander lends itself to you playing a, a tribal deck the way you want to play it where you're using those cards and using their abilities.
1: I think another thing that might be taken into consideration, too, is how many creatures are in mono blue that aren't wizards. Um, this might be just like, they, it might yeah. be a, a wizard deck on accident, like you're not setting out to make a wizard deck. Right. Um, this one might kind of encompass the whole point of the episode of, you know, this qualifies as a as a wizard tribal deck, even though you're just putting a bunch of mono blue creatures in there that have these abilities that you want to be recurring. Um, they just happen to be wizards, and you're not doing it um, intentionally when you create the deck.
0: Moving on next, we've got dinos. Dana, what is a commander that we're seeing that sometimes is accidentally or maybe on purpose, but not explicitly because of its text, but it still is anyway? What's a dino tribal commander that's sort of lurking beneath all of the data?
2: We have Atla Polani nest warden as being kind of an odd dino tribal commander, given she doesn't really care about dinosaurs at all. But Um, she does like eggs. Yes. She likes big beater creatures in in the library and thematically, if you look at the card, she's taking care of dinosaur eggs. So Mm -hmm. so there's a
0: couple different ways to come to her as a dinosaur commander without the card explicitly telling you to do that. 375 decks registered as Dino Jebel for Atla Palani. Like, I just – this one's pure flavor and honestly, I do really dig this one a whole lot. Like, this is actually a deck I could see myself making as a result of that. Even though you could be cheating Eldrazi or something into play, like – Man, the dinos do sound like a lot of fun. Well, and there's a little bit of
2: timing issues at play here as well. This is a commander that came out in a pre-con shortly after we got done getting a bunch of dinosaurs in Ixalan. So, you know, newer players perhaps that were looking to get into commander that had been just playing standard for a year probably had a ton of dinosaurs lying around at home from the previous years worth of drafting and, and playing in standard.
0: So moving on to our next tribe, it's the Human Tribe, and a commander that stands out here that is sometimes going into the Human Tribal deck area is actually Saskia the Unyielding. There are 111 decks under Saskia's page that register as specifically Human Tribal, and I'm going to guess here, because it is a four-color commander, that this is largely a color access situation. We do have other Human Tribal decks like Jarena Kudro out there, but if you are also hungry to get other effects like the Sigarda, the green and white Sigarda that provides some hex proof to your humans, or there's a card like Hamlet Captain, which you wouldn't be able to play in Jarena Kudro. This is one of those places where reaching for extra color access can provide you with a little bit of extra punch in that area, even though Saskia doesn't actually mention humans at all on her card.
2: And she's also a commander where she's going to be effective as long as you have bodies being turned sideways, um, just in general. So really, no matter what you do with her, you're going to feel okay with having her as your commander, even if she doesn't necessarily
0: specifically synergize with what you're doing mm-hmm uh let's move straight from humans since that's one of the only ones we've got here to another one that i feel like is going to resonate with both of you guys a whole lot one because dana i know you have a cat tribal deck your son's cat tribal deck and then also matt because this uh category includes one of your own commanders matt what is our
1: next tribe uh, so, well so our next tribe is uh if you're in dana's house it's meow uh, <laughs> much louder than that though uh, but we are going to talk about cat tribal decks and two commanders that they seem to be be showing up as cat tribal decks all the time um, but they don't really say much about cats i um, gonna be mary weatherlight duelist who says absolutely zero about cats but also <laughs> marisi breaker of the coil who also has nothing to do with cats functionally as a card now mary weatherlight duelist is the, the green white commander uh three two first strike um as long as she's attacking um, or whenever she does attack uh, your opponents can't block they can only block with one creature per, you know, person attacking them And also if she's tapped each opponent can only attack you with one creature Well, that's great, but then there's also Marisi which is Naya color So a red green and white um, and your opponents can't cast spells during combat and then whenever you deal damage to um, An opponent combat damage whenever your co- creatures deal combat damage you goad all their creatures None of those have anything to do with cats, but we're seeing a whole lot of cat tribal decks showing up on those pages.
0: Matt, I'm sorry. I'm going to let you finish. But did you intentionally mean to linger on the word purr when you were saying purr
1: creature (laughs) earlier? I didn't. um, But now that you pointed out, um, yes, I did. I totally did. Uh, Completely intentional.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. 146 decks register from Miri as cat travel decks and 116 register from Marisi as cat travel. And Matt, this is something that you said on the show multiple times, but like the lingering strands from the precon for, especially for Miri coming in a cat travel deck, like that's just how it kind of, it, it bled into the data a little bit there when it doesn't really need to, because the commander can be completely independently aggro in a totally different, just aggro strategy. But the cat travel effects are still lingering in our minds, just like the horrible cats movie is lingering lingering in our minds and we can't get rid of it.
1: Yeah, that that is the reason we shouldn't be playing cat decks is because of that movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: this is an example of of a tribe that people have wanted a commander for for a lot of years. And we did get Arabo that does specifically care about cats. But, um, you know, Arabo works from the command zone and requires you to maybe build a little bit differently than, than you want if you just wanna throw a bunch of cats into a deck and turn them sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maurice gives you access to a different color too. So there are logical reasons to play these even though a really good cat commander exists. Exactly, absolutely. Who do we got next? Uh, up next we have knights and knights are showing up uh, pretty heavily in Kenrith, the Return King decks and in Queen Marchesa decks. And the connective thread there is uh, the word king and the word queen. (laughs) So I think we're looking at here um, a preponderance of people building decks thematically because having a king and a queen ahead of a knight tribal deck makes a lot of sense if you really like that aesthetic.
0: I absolutely adore this one as well. This one makes me smile. I'm just like, I, I want to play against a Kenrith Knight tribal deck as opposed to a regular Kenrith deck. Like, that sounds a lot more enjoyable to me.
2: You know, and, and, and there's quite a few knights in red as well. It's not just a black and white tribe. There's quite a few there. So Marchesa gives you access to some of those red knights and you get access to everything if you're playing Kenrith. So um, they make sense color-wise as well.
1: So moving on from Knights of the Round Table, we'll step into the the big <laughs> monsters that they should be slaying. Uh, that's going to be the Eldrazi tribal decks. So seeing all the Eldrazi that show up in the format, um, yeah, they're big, they're ugly. Um, and the commanders happen to be all doing something in the same vein. They're all cheating them into play. Um, but we see Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, which is just able to cast Eldrazi for free with his activated ability, but also Ramp. Um, there's 174 Go- Golos decks out there that happen to be Eldrazi Tribal, uh, same way Animar, Soul of the Elements, which gives you a discount of of generic mana for every count, plus one, plus one counter on animar 148 decks out there with eldrazi tribal and then Krufix, god of all the mana that you save up over the the course of the game (laughs) 123 eldrazi tribal decks for Krufix as well like it's just how can we cheat this mana because eldrazi tend to be fairly expensive to cast um they don't really care about that they're still going to find ways
0: These are so cool. Not the directions that I would have initially taken any of these commanders. I used to have a crew fix deck, and it was all about, man, I want a blue sun zenith someone for 200. Like, that was where I wanted to put all that mana, but Eldrazi is such a natural fit. And goodness, Animar with them too? Like, oh, man, these actually, like... Seeing these be registered as Eldrazi tribal, I'm actually kind of terrified of them. And that's really cool. There's so much extra synergy happening here that you might not get in another more traditional Eldrazi tribal commander.
2: Yeah, these are examples of situations where the commander may not specify the tribe, but it specifies a mechanic that makes sense linked with the tribe. In this case, colorless stuff. So Animar lets you cast things essentially for free when you have enough counters on it because... Your, your Eldrazi are all completely colorless. Crewfix ought to use all of that mana because your command, your cards are all colorless. So, um, in this case, mechanically, you're being suggested to, to, to go with that tribe versus just straight up saying play Eldrazi, play cats, play, play whatever.
0: As it turns out, there's actually another situation where Animar also kind of peeks up his head a little bit, uh, because Animar is also a commander that shows up for elemental tribal as well. There's about 100 decks for Animar that register as elemental tribal, and this one feels like quite a different turn, but it's nice to see that he's got that diversity of cheating the mana costs, because... Elementals are just really, really fit for these colors. And for a long time, Animar was one of the only ways that you could play an elemental at all in those colors before other things like the team or Omnath came out to be able to emphasize for that. So Animar is doing a little bit of double duty for both Eldrazi and for elementals, which is really cool. Dana, take us to the next tribe who's up here. It looks like it's actually some very different colors than the ones I just described.
2: Yeah, um, up next we have Angels, where we have uh, Lisa, Shroud of Dusk with 55 decks. Aurelia, the war leader with 145, Safara, Sky's blade with 152 and Gisela blade of gold knight with 109. So we're looking at a, a black white commander, a, a couple of Boros commanders and a mono white commander. I, I'm going to guess in this case, you know, there's a few angel tribal commanders that kind of synergize with angels, but nothing that really um, stands out. So people, I think, tend to just pick the angel that's legendary, that's in the colors they want to play. So if you wanna if if you, you wanna play Orz of Angels, you know, at least is what you take. If you wanna play Boros Angels, you have a couple of choices there too.
0: Right. There's Lyra Dawnbringer if you're playing Mono White Angels, but if you want to expand into another color, what are you gonna do? For a while, there wasn't really anything else to choose. Um and it does kind of make me this one is actually one I'm I'll admit I'm a little bit sad about. Like you're tearing me apart, a Shroud of Dusk. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, and you know it, Matt. Don't don't <laughs> scoff at me. That was funny. Uh, but yeah, like we don't have a dedicated angel tribal commander for these colors, and I really hope that wizards... like We just had an opportunity with Kaldheim to get a dedicated Orzov angel commander, and we got some angels there in those colors, but not necessarily an explicitly tribal angel commander, and I just wish that there was another option in more colors for this tribe.
2: Yeah, it, it, and they're such a popular tribe, too, though. I would guess this is the kind of thing that we continue to maybe see um, Watsi play in that space of giving us different kind of angel commanders that work well enough if you want to do that thing. Um, there's just angels kind of in every color combination and they're super popular so I, I would bet this list continues to expand with different um, legendary angels atop angel tribal decks that don't necessarily do anything that cares about angels.
1: Well, and, and another tribe that got quite a bit of help in these certain colors, but maybe not the most obvious... Um, commander is showing up to help it out is rogues you know when we had the return to return to zendikar set um, with zendikar resurgent um, there's a lot of Demir colored rogues in the blue and black and all of a sudden we now we're seeing sig rubber cutthroat showing up having 120 rogue tribal decks which isn't anything to shake your head at either um turns out just a lot of people don't want to be playing anawan so sig still gives you a lot of you know on hit types of effects still gives you all those card draws but just doing a little bit different so not surprising to see, see uh rogues showing up for SIG. Yeah. either
0: yeah Anawan was a tricky deck in my experience because it fills the graveyard which is something you can take advantage of but maybe your opponent can also take advantage of it so if you are looking for something else to maybe do Sig has been a long-standing blue black happens to be a rogue and he wants you to have your opponents lose some life so you can get some extra advantage too so this has kind of felt like a safe backup for a different strategy that doesn't supply your opponents with the cards in the graveyard if that happens to be something that your opponents might be able to take advantage of and you feel a little uncomfortable about it so Sig thumbs up or fins up, I suppose.
2: Well, This is an example, and I think we're going to probably mention this a a bit moving forward with some of these slightly less popular tribes where there was just like one option for a legendary rogue for a lot of years. So if you wanted to build that tribe because for whatever reason it was interesting to you, you didn't have a lot of choices if you wanted your commander to match up with the the actual tribe that the the cards in the deck had. So you Hmm. built Sig for, for years and even though we've since gotten a couple other options. You know, if those options aren't
0: particularly great, maybe it's not worth changing and you still are playing SIG. Absolutely. All right, fellas, this has been really interesting, but that's been a lot of tribes. How about we take a brief pause from all of these different unexpected tribal commanders and uh, challenge some stats? What do you say? This is one of our favorite segments here on the show because there's so much data on EDHREC, but we don't always agree with it. You know, sometimes I think that cards see too much play or too little play, so we like to challenge those stats here.
1: Matt, do you mind starting us off this week? What do you got for us in this challenge of stats? So this week I want to shout out a a certain commander that's getting some very sharp new border um, in the Time Spiral Remastered set that is Slimefoot the Stowaway. And there's a specific card that I'm seeing in here that I really, really like. I think it should be showing up a little bit more. Um, So Slimefoot the Stowaway is the Golgari commander, so one black and a green for a 2-3 Legendary Fungus, uh, whenever a, a sapling you control dies, Slimefoot the Stowaway deals 1 damage to each opponent, and you gain 1 life, and then you can also pay 4 mana to create a 1-1 one, one Green sapling creature. Now, that's all well and good, and if you look at the typical deck, it's all about making sure A, that you have saplings on the battlefield, and then B, making sure they die. So a very Joseph M. Schultz, as a Necromancer myself, type of deck, I would say love those death triggers. Well, one death trigger I think that isn't showing up in enough, A, life of the stowaway decks, but B, just anything that needs a, a kind of a flex spot into any given tribal deck uh, is Species Specialist. That is two black black for a 2-3 human warrior and as, speci- and as Species Specialist enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type and then whenever a creature of the chosen card or of the chosen type dies, you may draw a card. Now, If you're stacking a bunch of death triggers, this is a really good way to get it. Um, Likewise, you don't have to choose a creature type that you control. Say if you're playing against a goblin deck and they don't want you to draw a bunch of cards, it doesn't have to be your creatures that die. Uh, I think another good spot for Species Specialist is Grismald the Dreadsaur, which gives your opponent Sapperlings, which I'm assuming you are then going to make die. So you can choose Sapperling here as well, and you're going to get a lot of Death Triggers. Uh, with all the Changelings that came out in Kaldheim, you're going to get so much juice for so many different tribal decks. And this being able to pick any given creature type that you want. Um, This goes into a lot of decks, even though it may not look like an elf tribal deck or it may not look like a dragon tribal kind of card. uh, This has a lot of flexibility in it. So if you are running a tribal deck and have a flex spot, this is a really good one to fill.
0: Um, Matt, quick correction. You said that Grismul makes saplings, but he actually makes plant tokens. He makes (laughs) makes things that grow
1: (laughs) probably from his forehead.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, no, I, I really love this pick. That's a really, really good card if you're playing in those tribes. And it's really funny to me, uh like I'm I was absolutely being snarky, but it's funny to me that you mentioned Grismold because the challenge of stats that I have for this week is for Grismold. Oh well, there you go completely
1: uncoordinated
0: at, <laughs> uh, it, it really was though like so okay Grizmold is of course the weird Golgari commander that makes plans for everyone but when tokens die it gets so much bigger the strategy of grismold is surprisingly punchy because all you need to do is use a card like engineered plague or any of those different enchantments that will give tokens or a certain creature type minus one minus one so that the plants that you give away just turn into straight up plus one plus one counters on your trampoly commander it gets really really big really really fast and that means that the deck largely wants you to find other ways to create a bunch of tokens that will automatically die for your opponents. So a card that I am very surprised not to see higher on Grismold's page is the card Infernal Genesis. It is a six-mana black enchantment that at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player uh, puts a top card of their library into their graveyard and then creates X-1-1 black minion creature tokens where X is that card's converted mana cost. So every turn, people are forced to mill the top card of their deck, create a bunch of minions that most likely your enchantments will immediately pick off, and then Fuel Grismold every single turn. This can be a huge way to get tons of counters onto your Grismold to start punching right away. So along with the Species Specialist, I also recommend for Grismold in particular, Infernal Genesis, give it a look. All right, Dana, let's move to you. Finish this off. What do we got for your challenge?
2: Uh, my challenge today comes from Patreon supporter who goes by the name Michael Falconrath. Um, Love it. I'm, I'm guessing that's not really his name and he made up a name Michael. Um, <laughs> but the card he has suggested here for us is God Eternal Kefnet in Orvar, the all-form decks. <clears throat> now, God Eternal Kefnet, um, in addition to being a 4-5 flying god who's kind of difficult to get rid of, you reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it, and whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card, copy that card and you may cast the copy, and the copy costs two less. Um, <clears throat> Orvar, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, that target's one or more permanents you control, you create a token that's a copy of those permanents. Um, So basically, Kefen is a way for you to get an extra copy of that spell when you draw it. Because uh, looking at the decks in EDH rec, about one-third of the spells in an Orvar deck are instants or sorceries. So even Mm -hmm. before we get into manipulating the top of your library, there's a one in three chance you're just going to get a basically almost free spell off the top that is cast... Um, and because it's cast, Orvar triggers off it and lets you copy that out and hit other targets. So it's only currently in, it looks like, 14 decks uh, on ADH rec. And considering how powerful it is, it should be in way more.
0: And actually, really quick, Dana, there, you mentioned one-third of the spells in an Orvar deck tend to be in instant sorceries. So it's actually like one-third of the cards.
2: One, yeah, sorry. There's, there's 30, uh, 32 thirty thirty two instant sorcery. So yeah, one-third of the cards almost in a deck just cards in general are in some sorceries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot of hits so Kefnet that's well spotted Michael Falconrath definitely if you're a vampire in our in our discord you got to trust the vampire, right? Like I I agree. They they will do you no harm at all. Really great one. Thank you so much Michael. All right, fellas, let's get through a couple of other tribes before we round this show up. What are some other commanders that we're seeing that have some unexpected tribal twists in their data even though the cards themselves don't actually explicitly state you know, anything with any synergies of that tribe, or they don't mention it explicitly by name. Uh, Matt, what's another one that pops out to you?
1: Well, another one that pops out to me is going to be Hydras. Um, Hydras is a tribe. They have a lot of plus one plus one counters, a lot of X spells. Um, so seeing and Meanderer showing up at 148 or at the helm, I should say, of 148 Hydra Tribal decks. Um, I did not see that one coming, um, having a Mana Dork in the command zone, but also Progenitus. Um, protection from everything apparently means there's going to be 78 Hydra Tribal Progenitus decks. Um, I think that would just happens to be Tribal because people say, oh, this is a massive big legendary Hydra, so I may as well just put more Hydras in there because why not? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think Progenitus has anything to do with Hydra Tribal because it has protection from them anyways. So seeing that at the top of the list, kind of confusing, but do what you got to (laughs) do.
2: Yeah, I mean, these are very much, I would guess, most of the time, legacy decks where someone built a, a Hydra deck because Hydras are great, why would you not? And Roshin, Meanderer, and Progenitus, and Animar... All kind of mechanically make sense in some way, presented us being a Hydra, the other two giving you mana for those big X Hydra spells. And, you know, when we finally got a Hydra in the last year or two that cares about Hydras, maybe you don't want to change because you've been playing this deck for so long. So I would bet we don't see a lot of new Animar Hydra decks being built. Um, These are probably legacy ones from before the commanders that care about Hydras existed, but. Um, you know, if you wanted to play it, you didn't have a lot of choices for a long time.
0: you You keep saying legacy. Are you referring to the format or yes, I'm referring to uh, brainstorm format. Brainstorm format with I, as soon as you mention any other format that isn't Commander, I just you no idea what I'm talking. About. <laughs> literally in one ear and out the other. Absolutely. So Fair just enough. getting a little bit confused there. Uh, moving from Hydras, there's also Spirit Tribal kind of shows up for a really fun thematic one that I actually really like the placement here. Uh, Okagachi Vengeful Kami shows up as a there are about 258 different decks that register specifically as Spirit Tribal, despite the fact that Okagachi doesn't actually mention spirits in its text. But this is such a great way to encompass if if you like Kamigawa flavor, there are so many different spirits in Kamigawa and this is a great one to just sit at the head of a Kamigawa themed deck. I'm sure that Daniel Holt from Wizards of the Coast is just over the moon with his assuredly Kamigawa themed spirit tribal Okagachi deck as well. Like this is just a really great fit and uh, really got to like it. It's nice that Okagachi found a home because it certainly did not in Dragon Tribal.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if um, as Mark w- Rosewater can attest based on Every interaction he's ever had regarding going back to Kamigawa, the Kamigawa fans are pretty serious (laughs) about how much they like Kamigawa. So, yeah, Okagachi makes a lot of sense here for people that are really into that plane and really into the spirits. Very much. And you know what? We're not quite done with the five color decks yet. Dana, we've got gods next. So, yeah, we have a couple commanders that we're seeing showing up in in god decks. Uh, We have Esaka or Asika, I guess. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, God of the tree. Uh, the most important part there is flips over into the Prismatic Bridge, which is an amazing card if you are playing God Tribal. Um, but there's a couple of legacy ones here as well. You know, Golos giving you access to five colors. Child of Alara is an avatar, but for all intents and purposes, seems a lot like a giant baby god. So um, <laughs> <laughs> as terrifying as that
0: thought is. You keep saying legacy, and it's throwing me off. How dare you, Dana? No, the Child of Alara seems like a really great fit for gods because a lot of them, at least pre-Caldheim, were indestructible Mm -hmm. enchantments, so they would survive whatever wrath the baby is attempting to put onto the battlefield.
2: Yeah, you've kind of a mechanical and a flavorful fit simultaneously there.
1: Yeah, well, and even if you don't count, or if you look beyond just the Theros types of gods, even the uh, the the Amonkhet cycle those, even if they didn't die, at least in the War of the Spark versions, if they didn't die, they still found a way to come back somehow. So Mm -hmm. yeah, even with Child of Alara blowing everything up, chances are you didn't care if stuff was getting blown up because either your stuff was going to come back anyways or was indestructible. So
0: Moving from there, let's shrink the number of colors down a little bit. Clerics also show up. I feel like Ravos and Timna were especially famous for being at the head of a cleric tribal deck in black and white. About 109 of their decks currently register as specific cleric tribal. They don't mention clerics anywhere in their text, but... People are hungry for a place to put their edge walkers and these happened to be two clerics in the right colors, so this one got a, a lot of start for being cleric tribal, and Eile kind of tinkered up right next to them too, Um, so Orzov with some clerics, it has a nice home for them. Despite the fact that these don't actually have a lot to do with clerics, it was nice for the clerics to finally find a home because they don't have a dedicated tribal commander for themselves just yet. Those are really cool, and then Dana, here's one that I know that we are both partial to. Sphinxes! You've mentioned you have a Sphinx tribal deck already. What's Another, you, you're using Isperia, but what is another commander that we're seeing also has some Sphinx tribal undercurrents in its data too?
2: Um, Yanet, Cryptic Sovereign has 96 Sphinx decks. Um, and there's a little bit of synergy there. You can you can kind of cast things for free um, with Yanet and Sphinxes tend to be kind of expensive. So assuming you match her restrictions on converted mana cost, excuse me, on mana value, um, you can get a little bit of extra gas out of that deck. So mechanically, there is a little bit of um, synergy there for sure.
0: I, I would be potentially convinced to turn my Yannette deck into Sphinx Tribal, but it I am still upset that Sphinx of the Second Sun is an even mana cost and not an odd mana cost. Like, I would want it to be nine mana instead of eight. So, like, a cheater didn't play with Yannette.
1: But, it's, ah. it's for your own good, Joseph.
2: <laughs> As someone who has it in a deck,
0: I'd rather it be seven than nine, Joey. Well, I mean, but... <laughs> Either one. I'll take either one, but a three mana instead. But yeah, Sphinx, is, it's a really, really cool one. There's a lot of extra synergy that you can get out there by cheating these very expensive creatures into play for free, for sure. Matt, we've got birds coming up next. Are there any fun bird tribal commanders by accident?
1: Well, the only bird tribal decks that you wouldn't really expect to see coming um, is going to be the original Trash burb, actually, which is Derevi. <laughs> um, I, this card, man, I haven't seen a Derevi deck in so long. And you guys talk about, you know, wanting the converted mana cost to be a little bit cheaper. It doesn't matter what Derevi's mana cost is because you have that activated ability where you can just pay Mm -hmm. for mana, put on the battlefield, and you don't care about anything else. Um, But I think this one just happens to be Uh, It's it's a legendary bird, and also it's the only legendary bird in Bant colors, and I think if you wanted to get some of the the access to green, um, Derevi just kind of happens to do that, so you kind of get the the spillover from wanting to have color access, and so you just kind of play Derevi because why not?
2: Yeah, the problem with with bird decks for for a long time, because I had a friend who experimented for a while trying to figure it out, was actually killing people with like these little 1, 1, and 2, 2 birds, and he switched to Derevi when it came out simply to get access to overrun effects because it was a way to, in a bird tribal deck, actually win games, which was really difficult, playing it in Azorius.
1: Let me tell your friend about Gravitational Shift and we can talk again.
0: Moving from birds to uh, things that the birds do not want to get caught in their web, um, spiders also make an an appearance. There is, of course, there's Ishkanah and other spiders like that, but they actually say spiders on them. So some folks who want access to a different color, despite the fact that this doesn't actually mention spiders in its text, Thantus the Warweaver came out and 93 of the different Thantus decks out there are registering as spider tribal. I mean, it's creepy crawly. I don't know why you would want to build a spider tribal deck like across the battlefield. Thantis is a really weird one, though, because I feel like Thantis' abilities do not synergize very nicely with what spiders are typically up to in a game of commander or in a game of magic.
2: Yeah, honestly, I would guess there's a lot of people that are running Thantis as their spider commander. Just to get access to Dragonlair Spider because it has red, so this gives you a way to play it. Like that's that's enough of a reason I would bet for people.
1: I'm sure they're playing it actually to play the best fog in the format, which is Arachnogenesis. <laughs> uh, just happens to make you all sorts of spiders, but other than that, I, I'm I am on your side, Joey. I don't understand the Thantis pick.
0: <laughs> the Arachnogenesis, though, that does sound really good in the Thantus deck. Let's be that's that's such a good card. Uh moving through now, speaking of, you know, where are you gonna Find those spider webs. There might be in trees. Treefolk is kind of feels like cheating here to mention Doran the Siege Tower, but technically, Doran the Siege Tower doesn't actually mention Treefolk in its text. But like, we gotta address it here because like 170 decks specifically for Doran register as Treefolk tribal. But it's also like obvious why that would be because Treefolk they got big butts, and that's something that Doran's gonna make excellent use out of. This one sort of feels like it's cheating, but we did kind of have to address.
1: Well, it. you say they have big butts, and Doran cannot lie because he's so honest. <laughs>
0: Dear
2: Lord. Doran had a rough quarantine. He was um, you know, eating too much fertilizer, his butt just got big, and mechanically it makes sense. Uh,
0: that was a journey, Dana. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And the last one that I want to address here is oozes, actually. Specifically, the Mimioplasm is got about a hundred decks for the Mimioplasm that register as Ooze Tribal. And this one I have a personal investment in this one maybe because I have a Mimoplasm deck that is all about those delicious graveyard synergies because he eats of creatures from the yard and gets bigger for the how big they are in the yard. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. So to see Ooze Tribal from Mimiplasm does make me go like, ah, no, but my beautiful, the graveyards is so much more interesting. And the Oozes are like usually zero zeros in the graveyard. You're not going to get power from them. So this one does make me like, I get it. He's an Ooze. There was a secret layer that really emphasized the fact that he's an Ooze. But this one does make me like, everyone, turn your attention to the graveyards instead. It's so much more fun than Oozes
1: man man <laughs> <Nein. laughs>
0: Good to know your thoughts. So, okay, those were just a whole bunch of different tribes that were unexpectedly, they found homes in commanders that don't really state explicitly that they should be that type of tribe. And yet they've, I'd love that they found those homes. Like some of those that we pulled out earlier, like Thassa and whatnot, they've got really cool synergies that you can unlock there. So I wanted to wrap up this episode with any final thoughts that we have about building a tribal deck around a commander that doesn't explicitly state that tribe on it. If you guys got anything else that you want to throw out there before we wrap up. Um, the one thing I would kind of reiterate here is just because a
2: commander doesn't specifically say anything about your tribe, doesn't mean it maybe isn't the better option. Um, you know, I, I said Unesh tends to be a combo commander. I wouldn't have enjoyed Unesh as a commander even if it was available back when I built that deck, I wanted to play Sphinxes and use the weird Sphinx abilities that was on a bunch of those cards. And Unesh wouldn't have allowed that in the way Aspira does, being a commander that just lets me kind of turn bodies sideways, which is what I wanted to do. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes people made these choices about a commander deck because they didn't have any other options uh, for commanders that cared about the tribe. But just because you do have other options doesn't mean choosing something outside of, you know, the, the the obvious choice isn't maybe better for you based on what you want to do with the
1: deck. Well, and one thing that's it's kind of interesting is how common this phenomena is that we talked about of, yeah. of commanders just falling into how accidentally, you know, you can you can create a tribal deck. All three of us have a commander deck that the, the commander was on this list. And we talked about a little bit with yeah. me mm-hmm. with my Miri deck. And we kind of explained why with the pre-con effect there. Joey with your, your Mimeoplasm, just people just needed some kind of a an news. And then, you know, Dana with your Sphinxes as well. So I'm sure if everybody looks through all the decks they've had over time, they have at least one of these commanders and and just you can kind of see having played the deck, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense on why somebody might have gone down this route um, when they're building this specific deck. So um, it is interesting, just like I said, yeah. How often this occurs, I'm sure we could keep looking up more and more information and just find more and more commanders that just happen to do some of these types of things.
2: Well, and sometimes when you step outside of the obvious choice, too, you can then kind of find a deck strategy or synergy that you hadn't ever considered and wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, I, I have played against someone in the past who had built one of the Boros Angel decks, again, because there really wasn't an angel specific commander and then discovered, well, hey, I'm I'm playing Boros and all my creatures have flying. So suddenly earthquake kind of effects are really good Mm -hmm. because they deal damage to creatures that don't have flying and things like mudslide, which causes creatures without flying to not untap or crackdown, which causes creatures that are not white to uh, not untap unless you pay mana. And Every Angel is white for the most part in, in a Boros Angels deck. So it, it turned into a deck that had a really specific strategy that worked very, very well just accidentally because he had to choose a commander that was in colors because there wasn't any other options.
0: Yeah, I'd love that. This whole thing has just been a lesson in thinking outside the box. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, I would usually probably only build a thing for a specific tribe if the commander told me to do it. But reverse engineering that allows you to find those and and unlock those extra synergies, which is just so cool. And another thing that kind of grabbed me about the data too was actually something that we didn't see. And that's just like how this can shift over time. I had fully expected to see Tuvasa the Sunlit appear as a pretty prominent Merfolk tribal commander because it was kind of like if you wanted to play... Bont Merfolk, that was at one point your only option and initially when that commander came out, we had a bunch of data for it, but it's kind of dwindled away as people were just more drawn to the other Merfolk tribal options, especially uh, Kamena from Ixalan. And that's also kind of the same for the Mimeoplasm, only in the opposite direction. When the Mimeoplasm came out, it was one of the only Sultai graveyard things happening, but then as that, you know, got a bit crowded, there was Moldrotha, and another Sadisi came out in the same colors doing more graveyard things too, Mimeoplasm found a whole new identity to it for tribal to happen so this is the thing that can shift it's never set in stone and it all leads back to the ability to think outside the box even over time i'm just really really happy about it this was such a fun episode for us to do so yeah i'm just i'm i'm feeling like i want to build a new deck right now or something because there's just so much to learn from this right
1: <laughs> so you're saying you want to make like is it tribal i'm trying to think of something <laughs> we could do that's going to be off the beaten path for you um, as
0: long as it lets me sacrifice creatures then i'm in Like, whatever tribe I'm building around, I just want to have death triggers, like the Falcon Wrath.
2: Joey, we're we're probably not far away from getting a whole handful of new Is It Professor legendaries in Strixhaven, (laughs) so maybe your answer is there
0: oh no good grief anyway let's call this episode to a close you guys this
1: is so much fun and if our listeners would like to get in touch with us where is it that they can find us all matt so you can find me on the twitters at mathimus 55 mathimus 55 and don't forget twitch.tv slash edh i know it's been a while since we reminded you folks um, but we are streaming <laughs> wednesday evenings make sure you tune in we have all sorts of paper games going on over on spell table our guests are great the games are even more fun it's always just a great time so make sure you tune in wednesday evenings over at twitch.tv slash edh and
0: dana
2: you can find me on the twitter birds at dana roach you can hear me uh, once or twice a week on my other podcast cmdr central and i write articles once a month for edh rec and commander's herald
0: and I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDHRECcast on both Facebook and Twitter. Plus, if you have a question, you can contact us at EDHRECcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to the whole team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on our podcast here. And of course, our thanks go out to our sponsors for the show. They are TCGplayer and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC, or you can visit CardKingdom.com slash to show your support for the show. Listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data. Data and insights. But until then, remember EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.